Now, as you know, over these last several weeks, we've been in a series that we've entitled Pick Up the Phone, Jesus is Calling You to a Pathway of Purpose. The reality is your life is not an accident. There may be accidental parents, but there's no such thing as an accidental child. Your parents may not have planned you, but I guarantee you this. From the beginning of time, God thought of you. The Bible says that God created you for a purpose. He created you for five purposes, for five callings, for five assignments. These are referred to as your calling or your vocation in life. Your vocation is far more than your career. In fact, the average person will have seven different careers in their lifetime. But your calling is permanent. When God created you, when he thought of you and created you, he knew what your calling would be, and he never changes his mind, okay? Romans eleven twenty nine. 29, the gifts and callings of God are permanent. In these past few weeks, we've taken a look at eight things that you need to know about uh, your calling. And then we took a look at our first calling, which is to, to be loved, Not to be a servant, not to be a slave, not to be a soldier or a warrior or a worker, but rather to be loved by God. God made you to love you. And until you understand that, I'm going to tell you this, life isn't going to make a whole lot of sense. It's only when you and I feel totally loved by God that we have the capacity to move on into our calling, truly In this series, these steps that I've been offering you, these callings, are sequential. First, you receive God's love. That is the first step. For us, we call it step one because we wrap it into our second calling, which is belonging. We've been called to belong to his family. We have been formed for his family. We have been created to connect with each other. And you and I need that. We not only need to receive God's love, but folks, we need to belong in a family where our needs are met so that we can begin dreaming. What is it that I want to become? And that's just natural. And with a child who's in a family where whose needs are being met, they begin to aspire. And that is our third calling in life, is to become. God made you to become what he wants you to to be. Now, our world works against this. And let me tell you how. By saying this, you can become anything that you want. Have you ever heard that? Have you said this to your kids? It's not true. No one can become anything that they want. Folks, I don't care. I could never become an opera singer. Never. I could never be a drummer. I can't keep the beat, okay? I can't be anything that I want to be. God made you to be who God wants you to be. And you need to discover that. You have been called to be loved. You have been called to belong. You have been called to become. Then last week we took a look at the fourth calling that is on our life. And that is we are called to bless other people. God didn't put you on this earth to be a selfish little clod. No. God made you 
to, 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 to serve God and to serve other people. And as I bless others, I am blessed. When I help other people, then I am helped. When you and I sow into other people's lives, God says, guess what? You're gonna get back. That's just how I've designed the universe. You're gonna get back, and you're not gonna get back just one seed. No, you're gonna get back a bushel full of seed. And God has called you to serve him and others through your shape. You have a unique shape. We talked about this last week. That he has given you spiritual gifts, a heart, abilities, personality, and experiences in life. Those five things make you, you. And God wants you to make a unique contribution in this world. Today we're offering this class. It's step three. We got 75 people signed up for it. How can you even begin to think of fulfilling your calling when you don't know your spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your personality, and your experiences in life. It's just dreaming. And God made you who you are uniquely to make this unique impact in the world. Your eye, you have a unique eye print. You have a unique footprint. You have a unique hand print. God is communicating that you are unique, that you need to be you. And if you're not going to be you, who is? Now this track here is kind of our symbol. Your shape helps you determine the primary calling that is on your life. Some of you fall into what I call the celebration calling. You just know how to receive God's love and reflect it back, okay? And you do it through worship or you do it through prayer, like being on the prayer team. If that is your primary calling, you need to get there because that's where fruitfulness and fulfillment come from. For some of you, it's not that aspect. We're all called to worship, right, or celebrate. But for some of us, our primary calling is what I call the commit. It's getting people committed to, to Christ and to the church by creating a warm, welcoming atmosphere that's fun and vibrant. Some of you don't fall into that one. All of us are to do that. We're to be friendly with one another, you know, shake seven and a half hands, greet your neighbor in a kind way. But some of us fall into the calling of what I call connecting, connecting people to Christ so that you grow and you are into studying God's word and just sharing uh, things that you, insights that you have from God's word to build up your faith. And many of you fall into that category. We're all supposed to do that, but that is your primary heartbeat. Your shape determines this. For others of us, it's around the area of serving. And to be honest with you, in any church, we need a lot of servants. These are people who are just gifted. Hey, I just want to serve. I don't care what it is. I'm okay with being behind the scenes. Great. But you find your passion, your demographic, and you just start just serving. That is your fourth calling in life. Some of you fall into that. I'm going to tell you this. You need to get there really quick. Because that is where fulfillment and fruitfulness come from. And better to get into it early so that you have lots and lots of fruit ahead of you as opposed to waiting at the end of your life. But as I say, never retire, just re-enlist. Go for it. Make your last days your best days of your life. Today we're going to take a look 
at the fifth calling, which is this, that we have been called to be sent. I've been called to be loved, to belong, to become, to bless, and to be sent. Now, if you want to know the aim and goal of history, you need to write this down. In fact, will you write this down? It's this. He's gathering a family that will love and live with him forever. The Bible makes this really clear. If God hadn't wanted a family, folks, he wouldn't have created the universe. He wouldn't have created our solar system. He wouldn't have created our planet in such a way that it would sustain life so that he could create you. But no, God did all those things. He created the universe and the solar system and our planet so it could sustain human life so he could create you. And he thought of you before the foundations of the earth. Why? Because he wants a family. And one day he's going to gather that family back together. Take a look at Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 5. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family. This is God's family. By bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And this gave him great pleasure. You see, all of us have been created by God. And all of us are loved by God. But here's the stark reality. Not all of us are children of God. That only happens when you and I choose to be a part of his family. And it happens in one of two ways. You either get, you're either born into his family or you're adopted into his family. These two metaphors of being spiritually reborn and being adopted into God's family is how it happens according to scripture. And God's whole purpose of creating the universe is to gather a group of people who have willingly chosen to be a part of his family. He doesn't force it. It's not faith if it's forced. At LifePoint Church, we do not believe in coercion. We believe in persuasion. We really believe that the best ideas win. And those who choose to love God become a part of his family. And the Bible teaches that one day he's going to gather all those who have willingly said yes, who love him and have lived for him, and he's going to take them into eternity future where we will actually live the real life up there. So what's going on down here isn't the real thing. It's not. This is preschool. This is dress rehearsal. This is the warm-up act, okay, for eternity future where you and I will experience real life. Now, for God to gather his family together, somebody's got to pass on the good news. This is what Paul discusses in Romans chapter 10, 13 through 15. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is what the scripture means when they say, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Will you circle the word sent? This 
is the fifth calling, and will you write this down? My fifth calling is I am sent to bring others into God's family. In other words, the moment you step across the line of faith and you willingly, lovingly choose Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, God wants you to share his story and how it impacted your story as you listen to other people's stories. Do you know your story? I love stories. I had someone, got a new family come here, telling me a story about how God had them step out in faith. They've been here two months. I'm going, man, I want to hear that story. But here's the deal. No one wants to listen to the long version. They like cliff notes, okay? So if you email me your story, don't make it five pages because... I'll read it, but I won't be very happy, okay? (laughs) Can you share your story in two or three minutes of how how God's story impacted your story as you listened to someone else's story? This is step four. I want you to sign up for this because this is absolutely critical to reach your family, to reach your friends, to reach your children. As they talk with you, what's this Jesus thing? I had a cousin last night at an ice skating party to uh, talk with my wife about why, why did Jesus kill himself? It was a great conversation. Two-minute answer. You see, if you had the cure to cancer or Alzheimer's or AIDS and you kept it to yourself, you know what that would be? That would be a crime. God has given you something greater than that. He's given you a message about how one's past can be forgiven, how you can have a purpose for living and a future home in heaven. And to not share that, in my opinion, is more than a crime. It is a travesty. And so the fifth calling in life is I am sent to bring other people into God's family. Now, why is this so important? Well, let me ask you this question. Do you think our world is at war right now? I think so. We got a gender war, boom, going on. We got a cultural war, boom, going on. We got relational wars, boom, going on, even in this room. We got all kinds of wars that are going on. And, what, and one of the things that we long for is peace. We want peace. Well, Paul shares this about this need for peace in 2 Corinthians 5, 18. Through Christ, God made peace between us and himself. Then God gave us the work of bringing others into peace with him. Will you circle the word peace that's mentioned twice there? God made peace between us and himself, and he has given us the work of bringing others into peace with him. What is God saying here? Just this. I'm not mad at you. God is saying to the world, to you, I'm not mad at you. Folks, you and I can be at peace with him. And God says this is the foundation of bringing peace into the wars that we experience Culturally, gender-wise, across the board. The Bible refers to this as the ministry of reconciliation. 
One day Jesus was walking on a road and some guy came up to him and says, hey, can you summarize the Bible for me? He says, sure. He says, here it is in two sentences. Love God and love your neighbor. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, be reconciled to God and be reconciled to one another. Be at peace with God and be at peace with one another. Stop the war with God and stop the war with one another. Stop the conflict with God and stop the conflict with others. You and I can't stop the conflict with others until we stop the conflict with God. We can't stop, we can't start reconciliation in our families, with our friends, in our marriages until we start to have reconciliation with God. We can't have uh, stop the war with other people until we stop the war with God. You got to get the prince of peace in your life. And when that happens, you will live at peace with God, with yourself, and with others. And so Jesus came along and he summarized this thing and he says, really, you want to boil it all down? It's about relationships, isn't it? It's about loving me and loving other people. It's not about accomplishments or achievements or acquisitions. It is about relationships with God and with yourself and with others. This is the ministry of reconciliation. And it is God's plan for peace. Jesus even stated this in John chapter 20. About a week before Jesus was to depart earth and go to heaven he said this jesus said peace be with you as the father has sent me i am sending you will you circle two words circle the word peace and sending folks at life point we take that verse very seriously we seek to live it and we seek to do it but here's the sad thing most people shy away from this calling. They want peace in the world. They want peace in their marriage. They want peace, I don't know, between the genders and culture. We long for it. But most people shy away from Jesus' answer to it. I mean, can you imagine getting into heaven and Jesus says, okay, you're here, go God, okay? Let's review your callings. Did you... Obviously you did or you wouldn't be here, but did you, did you receive my love? Oh yeah, I'm there. Did you belong to one of my family? Did you be, uh, become a member of a local church? Yeah, I was there. Did you, did you uh, seek to be, become? Oh yeah, okay, I, yes, I got the cue that I had to build character. I had to be Jesus-like as I pursued my shape in serving others. Yeah, I served others because I'm bivocational, God. I mean, you and other people. Okay, great, we're to the last one. Did you go and tell other people? Cricket, cricket. No. Inconceivable. Unbelievable. Jesus says, I have been sent into the world I have been sent from heaven to earth and I am sending you into the world. This is the ministry of reconciliation. And our plan is this. 
I got this from Rick Warren. Rick and I are buds. And I came up to Rick and I said, Rick, I really like this. Can I steal it? And he says, if my bullet fits your gun, shoot it. So let me give it, because this is mine now. What is the plan of, of the ministry of reconciliation? It is ordinary people empowered by God making a difference together wherever they go. Every word in this is important. It is ordinary people. It is not the superstars. It's not the Billy Grahams. It's not the popes. No, it's just ordinary people. Folks, I'm just a plain old pastor. And you are plain old Pauls and Paulas. And if you're from Frisco, you're uh, you are uh, Fred and Frederica uh, of Frisco, okay? Or if you're from McKinney, you're Mike and Michelle of McKinney, okay? You, every one of us are just ordinary people. But the difference is this, that we are empowered by God. It's not us, it's God. Making a difference together, doing things together not just individually, wherever we are, here, there, and everywhere. I'm gonna teach on this a little bit in the next series. And I'm gonna lay out for you the phases that God has worked since he's come, since he's come to earth so that you see the progression of where God is going in empowering people. It used to be individuals. And then things started to change where God says, no, this is for everybody. Take a look at John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Will you circle to go? That's to be sent. Be sent to do what? Will you circle the word fruit? I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. When he talks about fruit, he's talking about a successful life. He's talking about a fruitful life. God wants you to be fruitful. He wants you to be fulfilled. He wants you to be fruitful in your life. How does that happen? As you get into the zone, as you understand your shape, as you begin to fulfill these five callings in your life. Why does he want, what kind of fruit does he want? He wants lasting fruit. Notice that he says, I want you to have, circle that word, have fruit that will last. And let's be all honest with one another. Much of what we do isn't gonna last 10 minutes, let alone 10 years, right? The, the movies that you saw 10 years ago, no one even remembers. You have to go to Google. The, the, your favorite songs, you remember them, but no one else does. Hey, you, people aren't even gonna remember that 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 the Hallmark Christmas Channel starts October 27th. <laughs> Carolina, my daughter-in-law, we have a date. Our kids are gonna be around us watching us cry. I love it. But no one's gonna remember that. There are only two things that are gonna last forever. God's word and people. And if you invest your life in God's word, and you invest your life in people, you're investing in something that's going to last. And God says, I want it to last. Can you imagine getting into heaven and someone coming up to you that you don't recognize and say, hey, I just want to thank you. I'm in heaven because of you. And you're thinking, who in the world are you, jerk? Oh, 
you're in heaven. You don't use that word in heaven, right? No, I know you don't know me, but you know what? You were involved in Razor and Meadows Elementary, reaching the next generation, which we do. And you know what? I'm here because of you. You went to Haiti. You went to the Philippines. You went to Cameroon. We're building five teams going to Cameroon. We're going to disciple a whole nation. And I'm here, though you don't know me, because of what you've done. Folks, there is nothing more important that you can do than helping people determine their destiny because it is the only thing that lasts. You've heard me say this before. The greatest thing that you can do with your life is to invest it into those things that will outlast it. And I'm gonna hit on that subject again in January because I'm already working on January series. Jesus said, I am sending you out to bear fruit that will last. Now understand, when I talk about the ministry of reconciliation, I talk about it in three dimensions. There is the personal dimension, the local dimension, and then there is the global dimension. A lot of times I put the last two, local and global, as glocal. You have a personal mission, personal peace. This is where you are reaching out and seeking to bring reconciliation with your friends, your family, your coworkers, people that you rub shoulders with in your everyday world. Then there is local reconciliation or peace. And that is where you come together with a few others, maybe in a small group, maybe like Outrun Homelessness. We're going to come together as a church to minister kind of to the local community. And then there is the global reconciliation. And that's where you, man, you jump the pond and you go for it. Now, I would have us know that Jesus modeled what you and I are to do personally, locally, and globally. If you look at Jesus' leadership, the three years that he did ministry on earth, he did five significant things. He planted a church. He said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. What's that about? That is promoting reconciliation between churches and between God and people. And then he raised up servant leaders. He loved everybody, but He fed the 5,000, he trained the 70, he discipled the 12, and he mentored the three. He was about leadership. He helped the poor. God has a heart for the poor. We call them the homeless in our area, especially single moms. That's what Outrun Homelessness is all about. He cares about the poor. His first preaching was in the synagogue out of Luke chapter four. He says, God has given me the good news to preach poor, the good news to the poor. He cared for the sick. Every village he came in, the scriptures say that he did three things. He preached, he taught, and he healed. One third of Jesus's ministry is around healing. And then lastly, he modeled that you and I should care about the next generation. He said, Let, uh, don't bar the children from coming unto me. And that was a real, man, he broke the the thing on that one. Now, here's the interesting thing. Jesus' plan of reconciliation truly is the antidote for the wars that are going on in our world. The gender wars, the cultural wars, the physical wars, the wars on those who have and those who have not. According to to the UN Millennial Report in 2000. 
The top five conflicts are physical conflicts, war, corruption, poverty, poor leadership, and education, illiteracy. And Jesus, 2,000 years ago, came and says, I'm the model. I am the antidote. And one day, Jesus is going to come back, and he's going to set everything right. Now, to be honest with you, we have been doing this for 15 years. We just didn't start off by, hey, we're, and I don't know, we're going to Nigeria, we're going to, we, we just, no. We did it in stages. And we're doing Cameroon in stages. Much like when JFK says, we're going to the moon. They just didn't the next day, oh, we're going to go to the moon. No, they went through three phases. They went through the, the Mercury phase. Hey, let's just get a man in space and bring him back. Then let's do the Gemini phase. Let's just let's get him out into space where he can work a little bit so that we can prepare things to get to the moon. And then there's the Apollo phase. Let's get a man to the moon and back. It happened in three stages. Well, guess what? Jesus has stages. In Acts 1.8, he says this. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and into the ends of the earth. Will you circle four words? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. When Jesus said this to his disciples, they were in Jerusalem. And what he was saying to them is start where you're at. Personal peace, personal reconciliation. Get things right. Tell my story with your story as you listen to other people's stories, with your friends, your families, your coworkers. And then Judea and Samaria, they're a little different geographically and a little different culturally. This is local peace. That's like when you and I go to Razor or Meadows. It's just different as we minister to homeless people. It's just a different culture and it's generally a little bit out of our comfort zone. And then there is global peace where you Cross the pond and you share God's story with your story as you listen to other people's story. And we're doing that in Cameroon. Now why? Because Jesus said this. This is his heartbeat. When you, when you love somebody, don't you want to fulfill the dreams of their heart? I mean, I, I listen to, to my wife as she shares, well, I'd like to do this. And I just click, click, click. And I think, that's too expensive, never happened. No. Uh, but you know what I'm talking about. When you, when you have someone's heartbeat, you look to fulfill their heart. And Jesus said it in Matthew 20, go and make disciples of all the nations. Two times in, in uh, Revelation, and I've been studying Revelation for three years now. Two times it says this, that there is going to be people around the throne from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. That's what's on Jesus' heart. Every person matters. And I want one from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. And he mentions that twice. Do you realize that there are approximately, I don't know, three to 4,000 different um, language groups that haven't heard the good news? And we are working to do that, even in Cameroon. The Gemini phase, Francophones, those who speak French in literal and central regions. Then we're gonna go up a little bit to the Anglophones that speak English as their primary language. 
And then beyond that are the unpeople groups. And I wish you could have been there as I was speaking to, I don't know, around 700 pastors or church leaders. And I said, this is how we're gonna do it. And guess what? I'm not going north. I'd stick out really, really bad. But you can. And they got up and they applauded. And so we're gonna do it in phases. Why? Because Jesus said, Here's my heartbeat. I want someone from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. The question is this. Will you be a part of it? Do you remember Star Trek? Remember the saying? Space in the final frontier. Oftentimes as a kid, I'd watch that. And I'd, be like, I'd love to do that. This is going where no man has ever gone before. And you and I can choose. We have a choice. Because it is going to happen, with or without us. Take a look at Isaiah 14. It will all happen as I have planned. It will come about according to my purposes. I have a plan for the whole earth, for my mighty power reaches throughout the world. Folks, God loves America, but he just doesn't love America. He loves every nation. And he loves every person. Every person matters to him. That's why I love the song that Rob chose that, I don't know, Maria sang or someone sang up here about Jesus leaving the 99 and going after the one. Every person matters to Jesus. About four years ago, I was in the Netherlands with a friend of mine as we were touring World War II sites. And we came to the National um, Cemetery. And, and this guy gave us all the stats of all the different individuals. There was about 8,000, I don't know, soldiers buried there. And then he told, asked this story. He says, what is the most important number out of these 8,000 that are, that are here? And someone in the crowd says, one. The one family member of mine that's buried here. And he said, bingo. And he shared a story of a gentleman that they found in the late 60s and 70s in a brush row that had his name tags on it. And they discovered that he had a will. And his will was to be buried in the Netherlands because his family was from the Netherlands. He was a first-generation American. And he wanted to be buried in the Martin Gar Mar Market Garden theater if he, was, if he died in it. But the cemetery was closed. No one had been buried in that cemetery from the 50s. And so they asked the family, what do you want to do with his remains? And they petitioned Congress, and Congress overruled that law, and they buried him. It was like 8,301, and here's a picture of his grave. Look at this. All out there by itself. Every person matters. Just one more for Jesus. The question is this. How are we going to do it? Four things real quickly. Number one, pray. I pray that God will send laborers 
And I pray that people will say yes. Say yes to their calling. Notice what Jesus said in Matthew 9. There are so many people to harvest, but only a few workers to help them harvest them. Pray, circle that word, to the Lord who owns the harvest that he will send out more workers to gather his harvest. I want to ask you a thought-provoking question. Does anybody deserve to hear the gospel, the good news twice, when others haven't even heard it one time? Just think about that. Two, give. You see, sometimes in our seasons of life, we can't go. Maybe because we have health issues, or maybe because we have young children, or maybe it's some work project, or, or maybe it's because of, uh, uh, we're watching elderly parents. But you know what you can do? You can give so that others can go. I, I, I get all kinds of letters. You know, I give to everybody. I can't give as much as I'd like, but man, I get hundreds of these things. Okay, we'll give this. Why? Because I get to be a part of it. God gives you and I credit. Take a look at 3 John 1.8. We must support believers who go on trips like this so that we can work together with them in spreading the truth. And so we pray and we give. And this Christmas holiday season, come November, I'm gonna challenge all of us to double whatever we give in one month's time. If you give 100 bucks a month, I'm gonna ask you to give 200 that month. If you give 1,000, I'm gonna ask you to give 2,000. And that money is gonna be, go right towards mission. I want you to write missions on it. And you're gonna have freedom to choose where you want it to go. About reconciling churches or helping plant churches through reconciliation, whether you wanna equip leaders on helping them be ethical, which I, we need to tackle that one. I need help on that one. Ethics, it's, that's, wow, okay. And, um, Assisting the poor, caring for the sick, and educating the next generation. I'm going to challenge us to give double what we've given them up and to designate it where you want it to go because it's going to go there. Third one is to step out. To step out in faith because it's God's, because God's army is a volunteer army. And truly, as you do this, if you've never done this, you might discover your purpose in life like Carrie Beckridge did. Listen to her. She's dynamic. I have been here at LifePoint, uh, involved in various activities, tried a little bit of everything. I have never been overly passionate about anything. Enjoyed it, but not overly passionate. God put it on my heart to go and take a mission trip with LifePoint, uh, to go to Haiti. I was nervous about going and sharing the gospel and following the Great Commission because it was all about me and my fears, not about serving the lost and the least. But wow, when I got there and was able to share the love of God and the, the word and the gospel, I found my passion to be able to share that with the least. I couldn't wait to take another mission trip and um, the Lord offered an opportunity to go to Uganda and to see the people in Africa and also on several more trips to Haiti and also here locally in the Dallas area. The children are impacted just by the tremendous amount of love they see from people that they don't know from a foreign country. They know they're not alone. They know they're not forgotten. And they, um, they can feel it. Their smiles and the warmth and the desire to just sit on your lap 
and be around another loving individual. So God taught me lessons through trips. And one of the first things he taught me was when I was in Haiti. And we asked a local pastor how we could pray for him. And his response was, it's not me who needs the prayers. It's the people in the United States that need the prayers. We have a true reliance here on God for everything, from water to food, from minute to minute. And in the United States, you don't. So my prayer would be that you would develop that reliance on God. And I came to realize, you know what? If it wasn't in my timing, even though I'd pray about things, yeah, I'd fix it myself. Or I'd go find somehow a way to get the provisions for myself. But they showed me what true faith is all about. I just thank the Lord that he's shown me my purpose and my passion, and I get goosebumps just thinking about the next mission trip I'll be able to take. Give it up for Beck. Carrie, I mean. She is a one-take wonder because it was her passion. And God is calling you. Take a look at this verse, Isaiah 6, 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. Here is my prayer for you. That you will pray the most dangerous prayer in the Bible. And it's this. God, use me. I dare you to pray that prayer. God, use me. And when you say that, watch out. The fourth is go where I can now. This is personal reconciliation. This is local. This is participating in outrun homelessness. This is working with your friends and your families, your coworkers. We have so much hurt in the world that we live. People are at war. And they're hurting and they feel hopeless. And you and I can offer them the hope of the world. And God says, I want you to start there first. One day, Jesus healed some guy. And he wanted to follow him on into the next town. And Jesus said this to him. Take a look at Luke 8, 39. Go back home and tell people how much God has done for you. So, that the man, so the man went all over town telling how much Jesus had done for him. This is what God is saying to some of you. Start in your Jerusalem. Start with your friends, your family, and your coworkers. In this next series that I'm going to start here, I'm going to be helping us with a blessing in a box. It's going to have different things in it that you can build. We're going to build them out here in the hallways during the holiday season that you can bring over. And some of the things that's going to be in this is the Jesus film. The Jesus film is the most used tool in helping people come to Christ. And it's in all kinds of languages. We got them through uh, Gain, Campus Crew Today. Ben helped us out there. And then we're putting in a purpose-driven life book. And we're putting in a few other things. And we're going to encourage you to make some personal things. Cookies, they've, if the have kids next door, put in a few toys, wrap it up, and say Merry Christmas. Because God wants to use you and I right here because this is where we live. Let's pray.
Lord, I just really thank you that you thought of us before the foundations of the world. And you designed every aspect of our life. And you produced a yearning in our heart for eternity because we've been made to last. And that you in your grace and in your goodness revealed yourself to us. And you opened our eyes to who you are, to receive your love, to belong to your family, to become what we need to become in order to achieve the dreams that you have planted in our hearts that we might fulfill our shape and make a unique impact in this world that you might get all the glory and that it might be good for others and it might be good for us. And God, may we be a church that does it. May we, not, may we be doers of your word, God, and not just mere hearers. We want to fulfill the callings that you have on our life. And so I say, God, as we close this series, use LifePoint Church. In your name we pray, amen.